This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus. We're going to begin Psalm 32. It is a very fun, exciting psalm. It is, when I say fun, it is, it's David, he places it on you and you're forgiven. Forgiveness is not that. It is, it is the releasing of you from it. it. It has more of the idea of prison doors or chains. And if the idea of forgiveness is the opening of the door and releasing you from the cell or the unlocking of the lock that chains you up, and you are, until you're forgiven, you're wrapped in the sin. The sin engulfs you, encases you, it, it controls you, and forgiveness is the releasing you from that. And those of you who, who have really thought through and, and considered sin and how it ties you up and, and in many ways keeps you from, it keeps you from, from first of all, enjoying life, but it also, it also keeps you from the joy of the moment. It it it, it tends to just completely it completely uh, <clears throat> takes over who you are and who your life what's going on in your life and, and that's for everybody I talk to. That's no matter who you are listening to this maybe later today or in this week or even months or years from now or if you're listening to me this morning that's what sin is. Sin is it it, it seeks to master you and control you. And ultimately, it keeps you from the best um, that God has for you. And the bl- true blessing of forgiveness is that God releases you from all of it. And and the finished work of Jesus' primary mission on this planet was to not just take away sin, but to release us from the pain that it causes and the and the and the and, the, and that which we miss out on because of it. And uh, we all have that struggle, and we all struggle with. Our own unique way of sinning, our own unique, our own unique concoction of sin in our lives, and uh, that's why we're all different. So God can prove that He can take every concoction of sin and forgive it and release us from it, and uh, He wants to do that uh, for you, and He wants to do that for me. He, his whole desire in sending Jesus was to do that, and it says, "Whose sin is covered," meaning not only is it forgiven, but it's it's covered up. It's not even it's not even remembered anymore. It's it's forgotten. It's moved past. And um, remember that that sin that you have, when God takes it, it, he doesn't forget the sin in the sense of forgetting that it exists. He just does not impute it to you, meaning he does not place it on you. He places it on Jesus. And, and that is the wonderful message of the cross is Jesus bore the sin of the whole world, meaning he, he, God clumped it all up together and put it on him. And so all the chains of, when I think about the chains, I think of a Christmas carol and Ebenezer Scrooge and his friend coming and he's bound up in all these chains. That's what I think about sin. And he says that, that Ebenezer's chain was as big as his was seven years ago and it's, it's grown since. And that really is what happens over life. We just accumulate the bondage of sin 
but but once it's forgiven, it's not it's, it's covered up. It's not imputed to us anymore. He said, "Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity," meaning that He does not consider you wicked. And that's the neat thing about God and about our relationship with Him. Once once we know Him and have turned toward Him and are doing our very best, remember, it's not that you sin no more. It's that you it's that your heart has turned toward what he wants and not what you want. You're going to, you're just so ate up with it that we're going to continue to struggle with sin. But our lives and our hearts and our minds are, are made such that we have the ability to fight, to become, to grow. And God does not see you as, as, as evil or sinful. He sees you as you're going to fully be. And I, I, I see, I, as I've gotten older and gone through Many things, the military, a lot of the athletics I was involved in, school, and and actually owning a few companies and doing some of the things that I've done with people. I just realized I realized the great importance and the great value and the great the great the great skill that that a person has who can see what a person can be, not what they are at the moment. And I've come to realize that may be the greatest thing about our God is that he sees us for what we, we shall be, not what we are today. And his actions have everything to do with with bringing us to the place where we shall be, not to the place which we are in the moment. And uh, a God who can see who who would be see us as the person we would be in the greatest position is a God that is deserves to be served and not only deserves to be served to deserves to be glorified and honored and worshiped and really that's what uh, makes him wonderful he sees us not in the mire and the muck of the moment he sees us in the in the wonderfulness of what we shall be and so he says he does not impute iniquity to us meaning he doesn't he, he removes that when he sees us and in whose spirit there is no, he says that God, and I think this actually, he means this. He doesn't, he may not totally understand it, but he, he, he means that, that God places in us a new spirit. And uh, the prophet, I think Isaiah said that also. He gives us a new spirit that has no deceit in it. And that spirit communes with the Holy Spirit and it sees the real truth. It's not a fake. God's not building something that's not, that's going to collapse like you've done for your life all the time. You try to build something up that's not real and it collapses and then it destroys you and you in just nothingness and pain. God, what God is building in you is permanent and real. He said, when I kept silent, notice when I didn't actually deal with it, this is this whole uh, next three verses is dealing with how he didn't really actually deal with who he was, his sinfulness. When I kept silent, my bones grew old, meaning the more you hold it in, the more your body can't handle it. The, in, in fact, the thing there's two things that really destroy our lives, and, and you really need to hear this, the one you can't control and one you can control. The one you can't control is the sun. <laughs> really, the sun gives us life, and it also destroys the radiation from the sun, really destroys us because it's so powerful, but it also provides vitamin D and life and sustenance, and, and we really... So being outside in the sun, or really the truth is you don't hide from the, the negative effects of the sun being inside because the, 
the sun's, the, all the uh, gamma rays and x-rays and things like that keep penetrating through our bodies and actually penetrates through the whole earth. We can't control that. The thing that we can control is stress. And that, that doesn't mean don't do anything and just lay there and relax. The true stress of life are the worries of the present day and the stress and the tension of who we're trying to become and the sin that so easily controls us. And let me tell you, <clears throat> there's great stress in that. And there's great burden of trying to become who you should be and warring against who you're not in the moment. And Paul even says that. He says, the things I want to do, I do not do. And the things I don't want to do, I keep on doing. He says, but thanks be to God, but glory be to God uh, through Jesus Christ. That's really the only way to remove that tension. And that word for tension means stress that we feel is to turn it all over to God, to chase after him, to live with his people, to walk in his ways. And without that, our body grows old. It, it struggles through my groaning all the day long. And that groaning, if you're struggling with the, the tension of sin, if you're struggling with the difficulties of the moment, it does. It makes your body ache. He says, for the day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. And, and <clears throat> by the way, when we're not walking in the light as he is in the light, his hand in the nighttime is heavy. on. It is heavy on us for the purpose of bringing us to him, not to destroy us. He says, my vitality was turned into the drought of summer, meaning my youth and my strength was just dried out and, and nothing. He said, I acknowledge my sin to you. Now notice now he's saying, I acknowledged, which means I confessed. I, I said, I have this problem. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden, meaning he was real. Being real with God is really a cool thing. So many times as we grow up, we try to hide who we are so much that we think we can actually hide who we are with God. But that's not what David says. He said, I acknowledge my sin to you. Uh, can you acknowledge your sin? Can you acknowledge your struggle? Acknowledging your struggle or or actually um, admitting you have a struggle is the first step into overcoming the struggle. And and that's not just a saying, that's the, the acknowledgement of our struggle is the first step in, in overcoming our struggle. The attempt to cover, the continual attempt to cover it up just gets to the place where it doesn't cover anything up. You ever seen somebody try to cover something up and they place, place this and this? Eventually, they covered up so high, they got so much that all of a sudden it just teeters because whatever you're trying to cover it up with, it just teeters and falls over and it's shown, it just lays bare right there in front of them because everything you're trying to cover it up with just is falling over. That's really what we do in our own lives. We try to cover up the things that we hate about ourselves. And let me tell you something, your hatred of your sin or your struggle or your hatred of what it's caused you to, is evidence. Uh, and, and this is very important. It's evidence that God's at work in your life because you're not, the natural man does not hate sin. The natural man loves its sin. He, he revels in its sin. He, your natural man desires uh, to do sin and your hatred of it, your bitterness over it, your desire to get away from it is, is absolutely evidence that God's at work in your life. So many times I sit with somebody um, at the jail and I can just see the, the just hatred of maybe whatever they've become or whatever they're struggling with. And I always see that as, as a hopeful sign for them because your hatred of who you're not helps you to become a who you who God wants you to be. 
He says, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. He said, I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. David said, I'm, I'm going to just come, I'm going to just come clean. I'm going to be real. Uh, I'm going I'm to confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. And then he says, Selah again. It means what you think about that. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. See, confession always brings about forgiveness and release. And uh, that's the beautiful thing about it. Forgive, confession begin, brings about forgiveness and release. And it's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. It, there's life in it because being real with God allows him to be totally real uh, in your life. He says, for this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you. Notice what he's saying. Eventually, everybody is going to eventually come to you because the weight and the struggle of sin is so great. Uh, for this cause of forgiveness, <clears throat> this cause of, of not imputing sin to us, this cause of, of being real with God, he says, the godly shall do this. They're going to pray to you. In a time when you may be found surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near him. Meaning he's hearkening back to the the judgment of the flood, which destroyed all mankind. He says, he says God's overwhelming judgment against sin. It's really not going to, it's not going to come near to me because my openness and my reality with him allows him to be real to me. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. What a wonderful verse that is. He says, you're not only going to hide me, you're going to surround me with the songs or the singing that makes us alive and real. And, and I go, David was a man of singing. We're, we're going through the book of songs, which is what psalms are. And the, the power of man singing in the forgiveness of God is so great and so mighty and so wonderful that it is, that it's undeniable. He says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should. This is God. He says, I will guide you with my eye. He says, I'm watching you. You're never out of my sight. He's going to, he's going to teach us in the way we go, but we got to come and be real with him to allow that process to be at work in our lives. Salvation and the salvific process, the change process of God at work in our lives is a joint effort. It's a joint endeavor. The new birth, the justification that comes uh, from God, that is a singular endeavor. It's an endeavor done by God himself. And we don't even know he's doing it, but he's at work doing that in our lives before we ever even realize that he exists. But after that new work of uh, salvation, and I mean, that new work of, of justification, that new work of the new birth, then he comes and starts dealing with us personally. And by his spirit, he begins to call us to repentance. And that conversion experience is a, is a joint effort. It's, a, it's an experience where we hear his voice and we turn toward him. And notice that there's the joining together as a team, as a unit, as, as a fan. As love draws us together, then we begin the whole life of walking with God, which is a joint effort. And, and God teaches us in the way we should go and we walk in it. And that's what the sozo or sanctification or sal salvation is about. It's about walking with God in that joint endeavor of life and living life with him. And he says, uh, he says, do not uh, be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding. <laughs> and when he says, do not let be like the horse or the mule, 
of a donkey, you can draw your inference from that. He's saying, don't be a dumb animal, which must be harnessed by bit and bridle, meaning don't force God to put you in a place where you've got to treat you like just a, a, a dumb animal, where he's got to force you into what you, what, uh, he wants. God doesn't desire that. God desires to lead you into that. God is a shepherd. He leads his sheep. He does not want to drive or force them. He says, else they will not come near you. That that type of leadership causes, causes people not to come near you. Driving people never, ever works. He says, many sorrows shall be the wicked. I love that. It, it's true. Many sorrows are the wicked. They're heaped upon you. And if, if that's you today, and you're just totally eat up with sorrows, I would urge you to read Isaiah 53, where it talks about Jesus being a man of sorrow and totally understand that the whole purpose in Jesus coming is for him to take your sorrows on himself and deal with them. And so it's not God's desire for you to be a person of sorrows. It's not. It, it has been that, that, that issue and, and that problem has been settled. The only issue now is whether or not you're going to be willing to walk in that. He says, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. And trust means to faith God, to, to uh, place your hope in him. Believe upon the word he has said to you. Believe on the things that he has done. He says, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy, which is getting what you're getting, God's free of not dealing with the with who you are, but dealing with who you're becoming. He says, mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous. We're righteous not because we're we're naturally good. We're righteous because of that verse before, because we've trusted in God. He says, and, and when you've trusted in God and righteousness fills you up, he says, there's gladness and joy in that. And he says, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteousness, you righteous. Joy and gladness does come not being under the weight of sin and death. And he says, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Do you, you ever shout in worship? Do you ever, you ever, sometimes we want to be so reverent. And by the way, the, the word for reverend or reverent is a Latin. It's found in the, it's found in the, it's not the Septuagint, it's found in the, the other one, the Latin translation of the Bible, the LXX. And in, in the word, the Latin word, its root word means awful and terrible. God does not want us to be reverent in his presence because that connotes or, or, or has a connotation of sin that we're under sin and we need to be reverent with God because we're under the weight of sin. That is not true. And, and worship should not be reverent. Worship should be powerful and joyful and dynamic. And the reason it should be that is because we are free. We are free. And, and we are free from uh, the bondage of sin. And we're free to walk in the goodness of God. And we're free to live out uh, our lives by his grace and power. And, and those who he has set free are free indeed. And there's no use, there's no usefulness in coming in the pain of sin because sin has been delivered. We've been delivered from the, the pain of that sin. And we're alive in Christ even today. And the psalmist David understood the weight of sin. He, he, King David, um, had two very public sins in his life and, and, and they were highly destructive. 
And he understands sin because you can read his, his Psalms and he knows the pain of sin. But he also knows the joy and the gladness and the life that comes from God's <clears throat> activity uh, against that in our lives. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm.